Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If almost all eyes weren't on the new Biden administration in Washington and watching what happens to the Republican Party without a President Trump, you'd be hearing about the Illinois House of Representatives a lot more than usual. The era of House Speaker Michael Madigan has definitely ended, and the new man holding the gavel is working to prove he is not his predecessor. This weekend, we'll talk with Emmanuel Chris Welsh. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. House Speaker Emmanuel Chris Welch won election to his post almost on a dare. Now former Speaker Michael Madigan had held the seat for all but two years from 1983 until this month. But his Democratic caucus became concerned after he was implicated but not charged in the comment bribery scandal. When Madigan didn't have enough votes to retain the post, he withdrew his name from contention to see if anyone else could marshal the 60 votes needed to take the job. Chris Chris Welsh, an ally of the speaker, did. And as is often mentioned, he is the first African-American lawmaker to hold this position. And now he has the job at a time when the Illinois General Assembly is facing a constellation of challenges. Representative Welsh of Hillside has been in the legislature since 2013. He made his mark sponsoring major bills involving education, immigration and helping the homeless, among other issues. He chaired the House Executive Committee until he moved into the Speaker's chair, and before that, he led the Higher Education Committee. He is a lawyer and a partner in a firm specializing in local government. Social distancing is still standard operating procedure, so we are conducting this interview via Zoom. And Mr. Speaker, and I get to say this for the first time on the air, Mr. Speaker, welcome. Thank you, Craig. Good morning. Honored to be here with you. Well, I'm I'm glad to have you. Uh, But I've got to ask, how long did it take you not to look around for Mike Madigan when someone called you Mr. Speaker? I got to tell you, every now and then I still catch myself doing that. Uh, (laughs) But it's it's starting to sink in. Yeah. And I want to talk with you about about how it's sinking in, not only with you, but with uh, your colleagues in Springfield. Let's talk about the tone that you're trying to set as you uh, you take the reins. I, I gather it's uh, more collaborative. Well, I think that's very important. If we're going to tackle the issues that lie ahead of us, the serious issues in front of us, we have to do it in collaboration and in partnership. You know, we can't be Democrats and Republicans. We have to be elected officials who are working together to address the issues that face us. And so that's extremely important for me. And I have always said to people, one of my high school teachers told me, people may doubt what you say, but they believe what you do. 
I don't want you to believe anything I'm saying to you. I just want you to watch my actions. I've always worked and reached across the aisle, and I'm going to continue to do that now that I'm in this position. And uh, I just think it's extremely important that we do this together. And one of the actions that you have taken, and at least on a, sm- a small scale, uh, but it certainly got the attention of uh, House Republican leader Jim Durkin, that uh, you invited him for coffee and, and breakfast, and this isn't going to be the only time. That, that's an olive branch that he hasn't seen in quite a while. Well, you know, he gave me his card when we, we were in session a couple of weeks ago, and I called him last Saturday, and I can tell I caught him off guard. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to call you from time to time and run some things by you. And, you know, we only live like five minutes from each other. Why don't we get together for coffee every now and then? <laughs> and uh, yesterday I reached out to him because it was, it was his birthday. And I, I think I, I surprised him yet again. <laughs> well, it's, it's certainly a, a, a new day. But, you know, in Springfield, I mean, let's face it, Governor Prisker promised at his inaugural to reach across the aisle, and he, and he did at the beginning, but now, almost every week, uh, Durkin and company have news conferences criticizing him, and he has sharp words for, and then the governor has sharp words for, for, for Durkin. Can this be sustained? How can it be sustained? Craig, I think it can be sustained, but we also have to recognize that there are, there are differences uh, in the constituencies we represent. I think the issue is, is how do we address those differences when we have them? I think we have to bring civility and compassion back to our politics. We have to lower the rhetoric and end the politics of destruction. We already know we're going to have differences. Let's focus right now on the things that we have in common. Let's get those things out of the way. Because, you know, working in common, you, you build that relationship of trust. You actually begin to uh, enjoy working with each other again. And so when you when you get to those issues you have differences with, you don't have the personal animosity. And so you know that we're gonna have differences because of the communities that we come from. Uh, and you just have to treat those differently and remember to continue to use civility and compassion in all that we do. You are not from Chicago, you're from the Western suburbs. Uh, how much of a difference is that going to make, uh, not just in your style, but in, in the, the attention that you give to um, all the places that you have to preside over? I think that's an excellent question, question, Craig, and I think it truly uh, is symbolic, you know, where I'm from, where I've lived my entire life. I think it has shaped who I am. And, you know, the fact that I'm not from Chicago and I'm not from downstate, that I'm actually the guy in the middle, I can be seen as the bridge to the two because it's so important that we unite Illinois and make us one of and so I do believe I'm perfectly suited for the job. How are your relations with uh, Senate President Don Harmon, who is also pretty new on the job as well? Uh, he's another friend of mine. We live five minutes from each other. I have actually talked to him quite a bit these last couple of weeks. Uh, he has been a great friend and advisor for so many years, but especially these last couple of weeks. And I'm looking forward to uh, you know, us tackling the tough issues together. Uh, and the fact that we're friends really helps because uh, we already have that foundation of trust amongst each other. Well, I want to talk about some of the priorities that you're going to have to deal with. Um, and before we get anywhere near the budget, uh, which obviously is going to be one of the big ones, 
you know, you have there are several lawmakers either leaving or under indictment or under investigation. So I've got to think that ethics is top of mind. And that is something that uh, Speaker Madigan was not exactly pushing stronger for. Uh, how are you going to approach the issue of ethics in your administration? Well, I just recently rolled out my new my committee chairs and my committee committee assignments, and we created several new committees. And I think if you look at those new committees, you will see the priorities that we have. And one of them is ethics and elections, chaired by Chairman uh, Kelly Burke. Uh, that should signal where we're headed. Ethics is very important for us. Rebuilding trust in the legislature, rebuilding trust in our legislative process, is extremely important. And so we will be adopting strong ethics reform so that we can restore the public's confidence in this General Assembly before we adjourn on May 31st. That's extremely important. And it's, 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 it's important to me uh, as a legislator. It's important to me as the new speaker. And it's important to uh, my caucus. Uh, and so we're ready to hit the ground running on that issue. And it's, it's, it's something we want to get out of this session. But now how is this work going to go? It's not like proposals aren't already on the floor there are there are proposals out not and not only from republican lawmakers although they have have uh, proposed a passel of them so how much actual work is going to be needed versus simply debating the things that you already know you could do well after we adopt our rules on february 10th uh, we will begin committee work in earnest and so bills will be assigned to ethics and elections. Bills will run through that committee and make it to the floor. And those bills will be debated uh, and sent over to the Senate. Uh, the process is, is beginning. We're ready to get to work. And I, I got to imagine bills are going to be filed by both Democrats and Republicans. And they're going to be vetted by Chairman Burke and her committee uh, and sent to the full House for consideration. Are there things that even at this point you feel must be there, that some, some measures that you can't do without? Well, I think we need to take a good, hard look at uh, several things, but one of them is, is strengthening the statement of economic interest that we file. I think we can find common ground on that, that that document is pretty meaningless and useless right now. I think we probably should examine whether or not uh, there's a revolving door policy meaning, you know, should there be a, a cooling off period after a person serves in the legislature before they be, can become a lobbyist? Should we take a look at whether legislators can actually serve as lobbyists while they're in the General Assembly? Those are some things that I think we really do need to take a look at uh, and I think would help build public trust. Uh, but I don't want to get ahead of the committee in their work. Uh, I, you know, I think that there's a whole host of ideas out there that we should take a look at. But you want to see action this spring. I, do, I want to see action this spring. I think it's that important. I think, you know, not only electing a new speaker was an important signal for the, the body to send, but I think it, it should be followed up by showing that ethics is important to us. Uh, and so passing it uh, this session, my first session as speaker, uh, is extremely important. Uh, another issue uh, that I think will come up just from the problems that have occurred in the legislature and around it. Uh, female lawmakers and employees have been pushing for more protections against sexual harassment and discrimination. Uh, and I think you would probably agree that the, uh, 
the legislative uh, uh, in inspector uh, general has not had as much power uh, or freedom as uh, as that office was probably originally intended when it was proposed. Where do you go with those issues? Well, immediately after becoming speaker, I instituted uh, several working groups to deal with particular issues that are hot issues right now. Uh, and I have tapped Speaker Pro Tem, Deputy Majority Leader, uh, Jahan Gordon Booth out of Peoria to head a House Operations Working Group. They have already started meeting and they are going to take a good hard look at how the House has been operating and what can we do to improve the atmosphere. And I'm looking forward to the recommendations that come out of that working group, uh, which, uh, you know, our caucus, which is, is predominantly women, a lot of them are serving on this working group, are going to are gonna bring me some, some, some good, solid recommendations to consider implementing. Uh, and I'm looking forward to them. And that suggests that it's not just going to be about uh, sexual harassment and those kinds of issues, a, a working group on the operations, it sounds like it's going to have wide berth. It, it is going to have wide berth because I think we have to take a holistic approach to this thing. I think when you put good structure in place, uh, a lot of things resolve themselves. Uh, and so we're taking a holistic approach and it's a new day. It's a new era. So let's take a new approach. Uh, and so uh, we're, 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 we're rolling up our sleeves already and working. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to what comes out of that working group in particular. Talk to me about the uh, so one of the other committees that you uh, have is the Restorative Justice Committee. That's one of the new committees. Uh, what is that going to focus on? Well, that, that committee uh, is being chaired by Representative Kelly Cassidy. Uh, and Representative Cassidy has a passion in restorative justice uh, issues. Uh, and when I reached out to members and we were talking through in a collaborative way about the committee structure and the process, uh, we talked about creating that committee because of where we are in our country right now, where we are in our state. Uh, we just passed a massive criminal justice reform package and there's still more work to be done. And yes, we have the Judiciary Criminal Committee. Uh, they do great work, chaired by Representative Slaughter. Uh, but I agree with Representative Cassidy that, that that's an important committee that that can um, lead to some, some important changes in our laws. And, and so I created that committee at her request and looking forward to the work that they produce. I'm, I'm curious as to how you will parse out what goes to the existing uh, committee that deals with the courts and justice and the restorative justice committee. Well, every bill that gets filed gets reviewed by myself and uh, my, my leadership team, by staff, and we will assign bills to uh, the various uh, substantive committees. Uh, and so I, I think as we're going through them, it will become evident what bills go where. Um, you know, you, when you see a restorative justice bill, you know it's a restorative justice initiative. <laughs> <laughs> they they kind of jump out at you there, Craig. Uh, and so I, I, think, I think, you know, when we meet to assign bills, uh, uh, things will just fall into place. You're listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and my guest is Illinois House Speaker Emmanuel Chris Welch. An another uh, 
new committee is a police and fire committee. And again, there's got, there's got to be an idea behind that uh, because one would assume it shows that those issues show up in some other existing committees. These bills are going somewhere now. Well, we have a, a, a very diverse caucus. Diversity is our strength, Craig. And we have a lot of people that are subject matter experts in various areas. And I tried to recognize that in the committee assignments. My seatmate for the last eight years, one of my seatmates has been Frances Ann Hurley from the South Side. And when I called her, she immediately said she wanted to do something around police and fire. Her district is very heavy with police and fire officials. Uh, and, and, and she knows their issues. And so I, I, I think she's uniquely situated to chair a committee that will tackle some tough issues when it comes uh, to, to our first responders. And another committee is tourism. I just want to touch on that a bit, but uh, presumably that's all about recovery. Absolutely. You know, we were doing very well with tourism in, in, our, in our state, in Chicago, our, uh, specifically prior to the pandemic. We were breaking records year after year after year. And so eventually the pandemic's going to end. We're going to come out on the other side of this. And we want to be prepared uh, to make sure uh, Illinois and the city of Chicago and other destinations in this great state remain destinations, uh, that we remain viable and continue breaking records in the tourism industry. Another issue that is going to come up, especially since we now, the, the census is over, is uh, remap, redrawing the legislative districts. Um, that, that has been a very contentious process for as long as I can remember. And uh, I actually go, go back as far as 83 when uh, <laughs> Mike Mattingen first became speaker. When I used to cover the legislature regularly, it has always been a brutal time. And it's been a winner takes the spoils kind of operation. What's going to be different this year? And we're talking about something that's going to last for 10 years. Well, I'll tell you, this is my first time being involved in a, uh, a redistricting process. Uh, take, take any of the challenges that we're facing this particular session. Any one of them makes for an interesting session. I'm dealing with multiple ones. Uh, and the remap is certainly one of them. You know, and I have to tell you, you know, I think what's different is, is that I'm the speaker during this process. Uh, and, you know, I want to make sure that we do it in a collaborative way, that we have all everyone at the table. We listen to all sides and uh, understand that there's going to be different views and perspectives on this. I can tell you this. My goal is to arrive at fair maps that have equitable representation for underserved and overlooked communities across the entire state. Our diversity is the strength of our state, and any fair map has to recognize that diversity is a strength in this state. But obviously, one of the proposals for that involves an independent uh, commission or, or body or, in some cases, computer program drawing the districts. Um, what's your feeling about having an outside body as opposed to lawmakers doing the drawing? Well, we're going to take a look at all proposals that are put out there right now, uh, Craig, and I don't want to get ahead of the process. It's going to be a long, grueling process. Uh, and so I, I do think that it's, it's important uh, that we let the process uh, earnestly take place. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of it. I've got my thoughts, uh, but I don't want to, uh, you know, prejudice the process. 
Uh, so uh, I want to let the process play out because we're, we're just at the very beginning of this thing. Can I get your opinion, though, about one of the overarching issues, and that is that at the moment it is a political process. It is whoever has the most votes, or whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats, basically has control. What is your feeling about that as still the underlying basis for who decides what? Well, you know, I find it interesting that in states where Democrats control, Republicans complain that it's a um, political process. But in states where Republicans control the legislature, it's not a political process. Uh, and many of the same things that Republicans are asking for here in Illinois, they're not asking for in states that are controlled by Republicans. Uh, and so at the end of the day, we have to put a process in place that our constituents believe was transparent, fair, and honest, uh, and, and put politics aside uh, and, and recognize that this is an important uh, uh, exercise that we're about to go through uh, and treat it that way. Well, let's talk about, you know, there's no end to uh, the things that we can talk about that uh, you have on your plate right now, but pandemic recovery has got to be the biggest thing. Uh, what are the next steps for the legislature in recovering from this pandemic? Uh, in fact, when is the legislature going to be able to do anything about it? Well, I think one of the next steps we're, we're already engaging in, and that is, is I have spoken to most of the members of our congressional delegation. I'm hoping to get through uh, to the others I haven't spoken to. I've spoken to Governor Pritzker. I've spoken to Senator Harmon and uh, uh, others. Uh, we need to make sure we get uh, a, a package out of Washington that's going to help state and local governments. That's critically important that we get something in the next stimulus package that's going to help state and local governments. That would help shape our views uh, going into the budget making process this year. Without a state and local uh, package coming out of Washington, I hate to see the budget that we're going to have to put on the board uh, come May. Uh, and that's just going to make this process even more difficult. We have to stop taking a week by week, month by month approach to COVID-19 and recognize that it's going to be around a while and the effects of it are going to be around a while. And we have to address that in our budget. That budget is a moral document. And the issues that we've seen uh, rise as a, as a result of COVID-19 are moral issues. And we have to address that properly in our budget. And we need that help out of Washington. But if you don't get it, and then obviously the chances are better now with the uh, uh, balance shifted in the U.S. Senate, but if you don't get as much as you want, does that mean that you're going to have to look at new revenue or cutting things that maybe people won't want to see cut? Well, you know, we're going to have to have, keep everything on the table, and it's going to have to be a mixture of probably cuts uh, and uh, new ways of finding revenue. Uh, but I certainly right now, and I think everyone's pulling in the same direction, especially because we see hope with the new Biden-Harris administration, that we are going to see uh, something productive come out of Washington uh, on behalf of the states and local governments. Uh, you know, and, and but short of that, yes, we have to be prepared uh, to make some tough decisions. Um, when and how will the Illinois legislature be meeting uh, this this spring? Well, it, it's my hope that when the new rules pass February 10th, that the House will join the Senate 
and having the ability to, to convene uh, remotely, uh, particularly with committees. Uh, once the rules are approved, the committees will be set to begin working immediately. And most of our work in February and March is committee work anyway. Uh, so we're gonna begin working remotely uh, and in the committee structure. And actually, I think we'll even be able to be more productive and get more done because we will be able to work Monday through Friday uh, remotely in the committee process as opposed to just Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, are there any technical issues that have kept the legislature from meeting virtually up to this point? Yeah, the rules. Technically, <laughs> the rules didn't allow it. <laughs> and there's some legal questions about it as well. So I immediately had our, uh, our legal team taking a look at it. Also, since uh, one of our working groups uh, was, was looking at the rule changes, possible rule changes, uh, I asked them to consider uh, uh, my personal request to Leader Harris, who's overseeing the working group, was to please consider adding to our rules, similar rules to the Senate that allows remote participation. Uh, are you getting any push? I mean, are, is there pushback to remote, uh, re remote legislation or legislating? Well, there was some pushback back in May when we were in session in Springfield. Uh, some folks on the other side of the aisle were concerned that it would ruin the Springfield economy, that we weren't coming back and forth as much as possible. Uh, and, and what we have seen by not having remote uh, legislation in place or remote participation rules in place is that we have not had the ability uh, to, to, to convene and, and do the work that is desperately needed. And we have so many people in, in, in both caucuses that are really concerned about convening in person. Even when meeting at the very costly BOS center, we have still had people test positive for COVID-19. Uh, and so we, we wanna find a mixture, a way to, con to take into consideration the safety concerns of our members. And I think remote participation is gonna certainly help us address that. Yeah, as little as the uh, legislature or the house has met, uh, essentially, that has pretty much left Governor Pritzker to do all the heavy lifting, isn't it? Yeah, and that's been one of the concerns. Uh, a lot of folks have uh, said the legislature has been absent in the process. And so in 2021, we're back in business. Uh, we're ready to get to work, um, you know, and we're going to do it in a hybrid fashion. Uh, we're going to do some things remotely, but eventually we're going to have to uh, uh, do some in-person work as well. And so we're also tr looking at ways to transition back to the Capitol. We're gonna, on February 10th, we're gonna test the rotating in and out of members and see if we can uh, figure out a way that we can, uh, when we are there in person, do so in a, in a safe manner. So in some ways, it's sort of a hybrid, <laughs> not to use the uh, school terminology, but really we're not everybody is there. Some people are there, is that it? Yeah, they're going to be some are going to be waiting in their offices until they get called to say it's your turn. <laughs> uh, you know, but we're going to go back and forth. We're not going to all be on the floor at one time. You know, it's just too many of us to be on the floor at one time. And uh, so we're going to we're going to see how this this hybrid approach works. And uh, it's an experiment. Let's hope it works out well. I'm curious, what is that going to do to lobbying? I, you know, I spent enough years down in the down in Springfield to know that that railing around the rotunda is is just the prowling ground for for lobbyists what what's life like now when people want to get in touch with you my phone rings even more now i mean they they still lobby they're calling they're texting 
they're they're asking for Zoom meetings. Uh, you know, I, yeah, you know, you miss the in person interaction with people, but they're still getting out their information and educating uh, legislators on their issues. Um, many of them will tell you that, that what they miss is the personal interaction. And last thing, very briefly, is there a, 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 a kind of personal sense that you get when you now can wield that gavel, whether it's virtually or in person and, and really take the reins? Well, you know, it's really starting to sink in, Craig, and, and it's largely starting to sink in because of a couple of things that have happened in my house. But I've been a state representative for eight years, and my son, who's eight years old, has never invited me to his school to speak to his class. But uh, he asked me to come speak to his class recently, and I did it this week. And when he came home, I said, hey, how did I do, son? He said, your presentation was very enjoyable. <laughs> we can't use fun. The word fun in our class, but it was very enjoyable, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am uh, so glad that you can make your son proud as well as, I, frankly, I think a lot of people across Illinois. So again, congratulations. I'd like to thank Speaker Chris Welch for spending this time with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at WBBMNewsRadio.com. There should be a link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening until then. I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.